Hello, and welcome to the In Plain Text podcast. I'm Fran Oliva Velez, and I'm here with Phil Bonello. Today, we're sitting down with David Menarche, founder of Autonomous. Phil, why did we choose to record our first ever podcast with David? We've done a lot of research on the AI crypto crossover recently, and autonomous agents or AI bots are a perfect fit for crypto. As an example, an AI bot can't create a bank account, but it can create a wallet and execute a crypto transaction. Autonomous is leading the charge in this space, building out all the necessary infrastructure for these agents to interact with blockchains. I'm excited to dig into David's vision and exactly how Autonomous enables these uh, autonomous agents. Sounds good. Let's dive in. Okay, so uh, hi, David, and uh, thanks for joining us. We really appreciate you taking the time. Uh, if uh, if it works for you, let's just dive right in. So um, do you mind giving a little bit of an intro into the OLAS network and, and how it works? Yeah, of course. So OLAS um, is an, basically crypto's ocean of services. That's its ambition. What do we mean by this? Um, we see that there's a lot of um, off-chain uh, services which make crypto work effectively. You can think of oracles um, all the way to complex uh, AI agents which use models to make decisions on-chain, be it in DeFi uh, or governance uh, or other domains. Obviously, we can dive into the use cases and the exact problems, but on a high level, that is sort of what OLAS is focused on. It's like both a stack and a protocol which enables anyone uh, to build these kind of off-chain services, which are secured on-chain, taking decisions on-chain or off-chain. Got it. Can you dive into what these service, what what you mean by these services? I, you know, I see in like a lot of your documentation talking about autonomous agents and multi-agent services. What exactly does that mean from, from your perspective? Yeah, yeah, that's a good question. So the first thing um, to note is that, that these services on a technical level uh, can take very different forms. So it can be made up of a single agent. Um, so then the service equals the agent. And here an agent, I mean a software agent. So a software system that runs and has agentic behavior. Or it can be a multi-agent system that collectively implements the service. Um, the benefit of the latter is that you can operate it as a decentralized system. So you can think of it like a sort of um, a sovereign um, blockchain-like uh, agentic system that lives somewhere off-chain and takes decisions on various chains. So that's the sort of um, technical um, high level look. And we can kind of pick that apart as well um, because obviously uh, quite a novel thing. If you focus for a moment just on the applications, um, then I think it might make things um, very concrete very quickly. And um, so one application, which um, I like a lot because it's easy to understand and um, very um, concretely related to some problems in crypto is uh, a project we started earlier this year. It's called Governator. So Governator is basically an AI agent system implemented as a service, so as a multi-agent system, which continuously 
watches for proposals in DAOs for which it holds tokens. So like uh, human uh, delegates in, in DAOs, it can receive delegations from other token holders, and then it can vote on behalf of those token holders. And now instead of there being a human reading a proposal and then making a considered choice, here you have effectively a software system using large language models and other type of software and, and AI models to uh, effectively ultimately arrive at, a, arrive at a choice for a given proposal and then also autonomously execute this. Um, so this is a, a very concrete benefit for the delegates because they can effectively delegate their choice to a system which has rules inscribed in code effectively for voting in DAOs in which they might not otherwise vote in. And and, and so um, with a multi-agent system like this, I, I've heard you describe multi-agent systems like, you know, the Bitcoin network is sort of a multi-agent system in that, you know, each, each miner is, uh, they have their own intentions, right? And, but in, in everyone trying to um, fulfill their own intentions, they're actually uh, creating um, kind of useful work for the network and securing the network. What are the different goals in a multi-agent system like Governator? You know, do each of these agents have certain parameters to fulfill? Um, or like how, how, do, um, how do each one of those systems in the network, um, how are they created? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, so multi-agent systems is a very, very broad term. And um, what we have in, in the service architecture is that, again, I, I wish it was simple, but um, we'll, we'll try to explain it as simple as possible. And um, we effectively have, in most cases, a situation where each agent in the service is identical. Um, so a bit like in a, you mentioned Bitcoin in a, in a blockchain network, the nodes are identical in terms of code, and then they basically replicate work and basically check each other, etc. Um, here, uh, it's similar with the governator. So you have each agent in the system um, doing effectively the same work. Now, the complexity here is that when you introduce certain types of AI models, they might no longer be deterministic. Also, if you're interacting with the off-chain world, it might no longer be deterministic. So even though all the agents are identical in this case, um, they have to come to consensus about, um, for instance, the proposal they're reading, the decision they're making on it, the data which goes into this whole process, not just a proposal, but uh, extraneous data, like the number of tokens they have and things like that. Um, so in this example, we have a multi-agent system of effectively identical agents with perhaps slightly different data, which jointly come to a conclusion and then reach a decision uh, initially off-chain, which they then take on-chain by a transaction, which they collectively sign. Now, the stack itself actually is more general than that. So you can also implement applications where each of the agents in the service implements different type of uh, decision rules or models uh, and so on. Um, but yeah, let's keep it simple. <laughs> Got it. That makes sense. <clears throat> Maybe on that, uh, just continuing down that road, I think something that um, users often want to know is 
you know, how you differentiate between the on-chain and the off-chain um, parts of the of the system. And in particular, maybe it would be interesting to hear how the agents interact with sort of the off-chain world. Yeah, I think it's a good question. So in a way, uh, the moment where a service um, consists of multiple agents, what they actually internally doing in the service is they're building a chain because under the hood, we use a consensus gadget. Right now we're using Tendermint. So in a way you could say almost as like an internal chain, but that is transitory. So the, we use that chain mostly for the state machine uh, aspect so that we can synchronize state across the agents and it gets pruned very heavily. Um, so the relevant state, so to speak, um, whenever there's anything like in terms of assets or some worldview, which they want to persist, the agent systems, the services would take uh, external services to um, reference those assets on or move those assets on or save those on. So in Web3, that tends to be blockchain. So the key example is here, a service has a multisig on Ethereum. It has a bunch of coins in it. And then it maybe moves them into another DeFi protocol or bridges them to another chain. Um, in the case of the governator, right, it's the voting decisions which are taken on chain. Um, it could also use um, something like Rweave to persist larger blobs of data if it wanted to. And it can use arbitrary um, APIs because the benefit of it being a system which doesn't run on chain, and we'll come back to this. Uh, differentiation is that it can call arbitrary APIs. So why can it do that on a conceptual level? So if you think about a smart contract, the reason why, let's say uh, an Ethereum smart contract can't just call an API is that this would break the architecture um, because effectively you cannot guarantee um, that there's a deterministic response for each of the nodes executing this. So this could be because of time or the API being down or whatever. Um, another thing which a smart contract can't do is um, schedule something in advance, right? So there's, it's it's basically impossible to implement that properly. And that's because let's imagine for a moment we would allow that. Then all sorts of smart contracts can schedule for some point in the future. Now you have a race condition where everyone wants to schedule at the same time potentially. And then this block can never be executed. So how does this kind of off-chain system with its, with its mini-chain um, get around this? Well, it's application-specific, right? So there is no, in the sense, users who are constantly sending transactions to this chain. It's an autonomous system, which itself is effectively a user of another blockchain. And so that's why we prefer to call them off-chain systems, because from a practical perspective, you would think of them as off-chain. It's not like a state which is relevant to like some third party who's going to write transaction to that uh, application. And yeah. actually, maybe let me just segue from that just to, to one point, which is like a sort of key point we believe in in the OLAS ecosystem, which is that these off-chain services, and in particular when they are AI agents, they are almost like daily active users for chains and protocols. Got it. Yeah, that that's really helpful. And I think a a natural next question to get into is you you started talking a little bit about the stack there. It might be worthwhile discussing, you know, the service owners versus operators 
versus agents and how that relationship works because it sounds like the agents really live on this mini chain as you call it right because they are sort of collectively owned or operated by the operators um so that seems to be a really big distinction of olas versus a lot of other services which aren't necessarily fully autonomous or decentralized Yeah, so correct. So we have like these um, key roles um, which which appear. So there's the service owner, which is the entity controlling on-chain the service representation. Um, so that is the multi-sig and sort of the metadata of the service, the code it implements, etc. Then you have the operators who are operating these off-chain nodes which make up the service. Um, and then you have um, developers and users, right? So developers are the ones who are kind of creating this and the users are the actual beneficiaries of the service. Um, now, when we talk about a service, as I said before, there can be different deployment modes. Um, so for instance, right now, we have um, one of the biggest um, uh, kind of foci of the ecosystem is this prediction um, agent system. Um, where effectively you have different types of agents. Some of them are of the multi-agent type and some of them are of the single agent type. So in that case where they're a single agent, the service owner and the agent operator can often be the same entity. So the trading agent which partic participate in this prediction market uh, setup, they are run by community members um, who are both the service owner and the service operator the agent operator there is uh, in this setup another service called the mac which provides access to various ai models and this service is a multi agent service so there the separation of uh, agent operator and service owner emerges and that's kind of a general theme across all that so all that does on a very basic level just provide like a, a primitive on which you can create these services. It does not say this has to be the economic model of that service and this has to be the economic model of the other service or the business model. Having said that, OLAS also has this ability on a, on, a, on, a, on a protocol level for these services to be owned by DAOs and therefore also the OLAS DAO itself. So a lot of the focus um, in the OLAS ecosystem is right now on actually making some of these services like the Mac protocol owned services where the OLAS DAO is the service owner of that service. Why is that interesting? Because the, the Mac itself generates revenue and is a valuable you know, economic entity. So actually owning it as the DAO and controlling it is very um, beneficial for the DAO in the long run. Interesting. And can, can you maybe dive into the economics a little bit? Um, uh, exactly how does the Mac make money? Um, I admit maybe it, the Mac is a good uh, uh, just example, even though the economics for all services are not uh, the same. But I'm just curious in, in uh, the system, typically who's paying for the service and who's maybe earning? Yeah, so the Mac, the Mac is a great one. Um, and it's currently, it's not yet a protocol and service um, purely for technical reason. It takes 
ecosystem time to get things there um we can mm -hmm. walk through this as well but um i can walk you through the, the economics which are already there and it's it's operating um so the agent operators in the mac uh, basically have costs in the sense of using ai models so these can be locally run models in which case it's just the infrastructure cost of running them or they can be third-party models, including OpenAI's uh, ChatGPT, for instance. So in that case, you have the API cost of calling these models. Um, the Mac as a whole, the service, has income, which comes from other agents requiring access to these models. Now, the whole sort of reason for the Mac to exist is that it becomes very unscalable for agents to all run their own AI models for all sorts of uh, uh, use cases. And so being able to outsource uh, that to the Mac is, is very beneficial for the trader agents, which I mentioned earlier, uh, because if I, as a community member today, and, and you can literally do this in like 10 minutes by uh, following the quick start, if I want to run one of those uh, traders, I just give it a bit of XDAO on Gnosis chain and then I can run it. I don't need to configure like API keys or this and that and the other, which I would have to do if I wanted to use various AI models. That's all abstracted by these agents talking to each other and trading with each other. So the Mac basically gets paid by the trader agents who have a reason to pay it because the trader agents participate in these markets and when they get good predictions are actually um, uh, making returns from participating in these prediction markets. So at the end of the day, you have a Mac service, which receives revenue from those agents which use it and has costs on the operator side. And um, basically, the surplus can then be divided by the uh, agent operators and the, um, uh, the service itself, the service owner itself. And so in that sense, it's a very trivial business model in this example. Got it. That is really helpful. So it it sounds like the incentive for a service owner, whether that owner is, you know, the Olas DAO or just an individual, is that they can they can create something of an application, and you can I feel like you can think of it almost as uh, just any kind of application built on ChatGPT or the like, but it it's built on the Olas framework, and they can make it a plug and play um, autonomous service that interacts with the blockchain. And then they can set up the economics however they might like. Um, and so so then if it's a very useful autonomous autonomous service, you know, thousands or millions of people use that um, service and the economics might, you know, it might be routed to the service owner, which might be an individual, or it might be routed to the OLAS DAO if, uh, if it's a, kind of DAO owned owned service. Is is that about right? Yeah. And like let's zoom out again. Um like why why does this all make sense? So we're at the beginning here of what we see like I don't know how long, at least 10 years, um arc where effectively we're going from agents being this niche thing. I mean multi-agent has been around for ages, but agents being this niche thing now getting a bit of attention because of LLMs to what we fundamentally believe agents being like the primary thing. I mean, it's sort of the end state, like people will ultimately own a bunch of agents. And the question then is, will there be one 
entity owning all the agents and the rest are sort of subjugates or will we all sort of democratically co-own some pieces thereof and like valerie and olas like valerie the deaf company olas the the ecosystem is definitely in the latter camp we care about creating these kind of co-ownable ai agents off-chain autonomous systems now this means like our focus as as core developer in the ecosystem is about getting people from an idea to their agent ultimately as quickly as possible and that's what the ola stack sort of enables to some degree already but there's still a lot of work we're doing around improving that developer flow um, because we want to enable anyone who has like a useful idea a useful agent they want to work on their behalf to be able to realize that vision in the process of doing this you will find that agents like humans have to specialize and so you ultimately end up with an economy of agents and the, the, the whole point of the Ola style is to basically provide some of the most useful agent services the planet needs, right? And we're at the very, very beginning. So we have like picked um, a couple of areas where we're putting our focus, where we're creating what we call like internally like synthetic economies. So they're effectively economies, which make sense, only that some of the initial demand is synthetic. So in the prediction markets, effectively everything is real. Right. There's no like incentives for the traders to trade or incentives for the Mac to provide these um, responses from the AI models and sort of provide access to AI models. What is incentivized at the moment are these markets. So effectively, you know, we basically say, oh, let's create prediction markets for very specific uh, questions and then have a market of agents emerge which serve these questions. And now, actually, we have bootstrapped uh, valuable prediction markets because the chicken egg problem, right? And this, this is how we think more generally about sort of evolving the agent landscape. It requires like solving these bootstrapping problems, which means ultimately, you know, people will own their useful services but in order for that to be the case, there need to be these other agent services which are provided to them, a role for the OLA style, and there need to be a whole lot of development work for that to happen. Yeah, and um, maybe just talking about that uh, concept that you alluded to at the, at the beginning of that, which is the the agents becoming or moving, let's say, from a niche thing to you know a majority or a very large part of, of the ecosystem. One thing I was really struck by watching the, I don't know if you saw the humane AI pin presentation, um, but one thing I was struck by that was how, you know, you basically all interaction between the user and any application has been completely abstracted away because you're, you know, sort of talking to your pin and the pin is fetching, you know, interacting with an application and then getting you whatever it is that you look for. And so, you know, within specifically within crypto, you know, it's been difficult maybe to to connect users to applications that are sort of very intuitive. So, um, you know, do you think that through the use of these agents, you know, we could maybe bridge that gap between users in a in a much more easy way? And I, and I know that maybe the go to market for for autonomous initially has been you know, sort of putting the autonomous back in decentralized autonomous organizations. Um, but I think there's sort of a much grander vision where it could touch so many different aspects of the ecosystem from an application perspective. 
Yeah, I, I agree. And like everything, I mean, uh, what you were saying last about the go-to-market, I, I think we certainly as a as a DAO and also at Valerie started initially with a heavy focus on DAOs and then we kind of learned about the the pain points of actually delivering into DAOs. I mean, we have like some fantastic products we've built, for instance, for CowSwap, but like even getting these products from like, you know, the grant all the way, like even before the grant, you have to build relationships with the grant yeah. and then kind of getting them deployed even. It's a long process. Um and and all the all the time coming to your first point, there's sort of three big trends we see. And I think your 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 reference to this AI pin um, from Humane was kind of relevant there. It's like you have the web and you know lots of people obviously have observed this. You have like read, write, own. And then you have um, basically AI, you have like rules-based learning, and then you have agentic. And then you have like UX. And basically there, I mean, I'm, I think we're moving towards an outcomes-based um, parting where we have been recently in this sort of interactive uh, parting and we sometimes get a bit lost in that. I think you can see this right now with all these kind of fast movers on uh, you know, chat GPT wrappers. What they're building is like these highly interactive kind of chat interface because basically chat was offered, well, let me build some more chat around it. And so you get these personal assistants, which is sort of fun, but it's not really solving a problem. I, I mean, at the end of the day, I'm already busy typing in various interfaces all day long, right? So that's not like a 10x. That's like, you know, like a very narrow 10x in some domain when I uh, sometimes do some specific work. But overall, it's it's not a 10x and definitely not a 100x. What I think we'll see with agents, like in, in the ultimate state, is like really this focus on outcomes. So you have like a couple of, um, you know, be companions or whatever you want to call them who hopefully you own as much as possible, who have like intrinsic relationship with your personal data uh, in some cases, and in some cases less. Um, and they really generate outcomes for you. So you do not sit there and constantly have this forth and back with the system. It will generate occasionally wealth for you and occasionally less. And from these experiences, yes, you will feed back to it and it will learn from you. But it's it's going to be a bit more separate in in the sense that there's more of a sort of background process which delivers these outcomes, this agent doing things for you, and 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 that's that's exciting. I find it's very exciting because it, um, I mean, certainly it's something I want for my own life. I don't want to always sit there, type into some interface, and like help it along all the time. I don't think that that's great. Um, and also, I think it's um it's exciting from a sort of you know building this out perspective i mean for developers and uh, people to train these kind of systems to deliver outcomes which are meaningful to them there will be very exciting uh, new products even like in totally non financial domains uh, social domains health domains etc yeah yeah, and you also you talked a little bit about uh, these systems not being owned by a single entity, and you know that's a lot of the value that um, Olas is bringing. I know there are some integrations with other projects. You're going multi-chain. I think right now you're built on um, 
your or you are integrated with Ethereum, Gnosis Chain, potentially Polygon, and potentially Solana. Um, and then I've also saw I also I, th- I also saw an integration with potentially BitTensor. Can you talk a little bit about kind of that multi multi chain build out as well as you know integrations with other part of the stack like with BitTensor? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So um on the sort of more traditional kind of chain side where the chain is basically there to offer smart contracts and um permissionless access there. Um yes, you mentioned the four chains where we currently on and like the the current process is about also bringing the token there so that we can bring the staking there and that we can bring the whole kind of functionality of the protocol there so polygon on solana i think will uh, still happen this year hopefully um in terms of like decentralized ai um there's many layers to the stack um and like BitTensor and the likes at the inference level partially training then there's others who purely focus on training like jensen ai which isn't live yet um and then there's things like ck projects who focus on like um inference in like a more traditional blockchain context right where you're you're you're, you make your smart contract smarter and things like that um we kind of tend to love all of them because what they do is they make these agent systems better and more capable and there's often like extreme synergy so one of the reasons why we are kind of um, trying to integrate as many of them is that it tends to create very healthy feedback loops between the developer communities and between the, the products. Um, and also, obviously, uh, in the case of BitTensor and, and other decentralized AI projects, you have like a philosophical alignment where that just makes sense. Um, so f- uh, the way an agent can use uh, BitTensor, for instance, is that when, to the degree that there are subnetworks which are relevant to um, agent application realized in OLAS, then they can obviously directly um, utilize them by API calls or um, what we've, um, I think what you're referencing, what we're in the process of doing is integrate that also in the max so that it gets abstracted and that you can sort of um, incorporate that into existing products. Gotcha. Okay, that makes sense. And on that point of, building out the developer ecosystem and that philosophical alignment. I know you guys have a developer academy of, of sorts. Can you uh, speak to that and, and what the goal is of, of that academy? Yeah, so developer academy is actually our oldest running product. It existed before the protocol and uh, many parts of the stack were live. Um, and it helped us refine very early on um, where we wanted to take things. Then we paused it for quite some time and it's going live again in December. I think it was just announced today. Um, so yeah, apply if you listen to this. Um, but uh, basically um, what the historic developer uh, academies were about was um, building very specific services um, pre-existing of the protocol. Now that the protocol exists, there's a very clear um, sort of process around what the DAO wants to see in terms of new services. So the next Dev Academies have effectively two tracks. So one part is focused on developers who just want support with their own projects, which we always like to support. Coming back to what I said earlier, idea to finished agents has to go down like orders of magnitude over the next years and um, or even like months. And uh, on the other hand, we have this track 
which is focused on building out services which are ultimately owned by the DAO. So the DAO has this project uh, or, or like proposal called AIP2, which is all around building out protocol and services for OLAS, and Dev Academy will feed um, into that. Very cool. Um, well, I think we're coming up on time here. Uh, David, is there anything that we haven't asked you or we haven't touched on that you might like to mention? Um, well, I think you asked great questions. I just want to point out again how important it is um, on a fundamental level that we work out how to co-own Agentic AI. Because, you know, there's like all these camps emerging, like accelerationists, decelerationists, and then you have like all these um, figures um, shouting from the rooftops there. I think what's clear is that there's very little point optimizing for an outcome in which we all die. So we're always focused on the outcome where, you know, AGI, whenever it arrives, doesn't like sort of uh, slaughter us all. And in that, uh, the thing I'm most worried about is just like, some level of you know um, fairness in the sense that you can participate in in economies of the future you know if you're not born as the child of the ai controller can you actually still you know ha have a meaningful life or are you like the slave of some uh, uh ai corporate or ai uh, system and i think the only way that's going to happen is if we work out how to uh cone agentic ais um of all types and like that's you know what we're really here for for and like anyone who has any aspiration in this space um, to also make that happen, like we'd love to talk to them and kind of join forces because obviously Valerie alone or even Olas alone will never um, uh, manage that. But like many, many uh, projects together, I think have a, have a shot. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a great message. And I, I think a great place to, to wrap up one final thing is what's the best place for people to uh, reach you or to uh, get involved with, with OLAS? Yeah, if you go to olas.network, then you find all the resources there, the Discord, we are very active there. Come in there, ask questions. Um, we also have this product called Contribute, um, which we're increasingly using for DAO coordination. So if you come to the Discord soon, you might find that you're being redirected to Contribute um which we're building out for this purpose but uh yeah looking forward to see you there <laughs> great thanks thanks so much for taking the time david great talking to you david yeah thanks for the time as well. this content is provided for informational and educational purposes only and should not be relied upon as financial legal or tax advice Prior to making any investment decision, you should consult with professional financial, legal and tax advisors to determine the appropriateness of the risks associated with such an investment. No assurance can be given that the objectives of a particular investment will be achieved or that an investor will receive a return of all or part of his or her investment. All investments involve the risk of loss, including the loss of principal. In no event shall Plaintext Capital Management LLC, Plaintext, or any of its affiliates be responsible or liable for the correctness of any material discussed herein or for any damage or lost opportunities resulting from the reliance upon such material.
References in this podcast to any specific securities or digital assets are for illustrative purposes only and do not constitute an investment recommendation or offer to provide investment advisory services. Furthermore, this content is not directed at nor intended for use by any investors or prospective investors. Plaintext and or its clients may maintain positions discussed on this podcast. Certain information discussed or presented in this podcast may have been obtained from third-party sources. While taken from sources believed to be reliable, Plaintext has not independently verified such information and makes no representations about the enduring accuracy of the information or its appropriateness for a given situation. Any projections, estimates, forecasts, targets, prospects and or opinions expressed during this podcast are subject to change without notice and may differ or be contrary to opinions expressed by others.